Welcome to Miami. Bienvenidos a Miami. You're now listening to MIA Radio. DJ Kev, DJ Zaya. Let me holler at my real Miami motherfuckers. But I trust myself when, when it feels like I need to say no, I will. And if I see I'm not growing by doing this, cool. No, I'm good. I don't, I don't need that chick. I'll figure out another way to get paid. You ain't got shit to worry about. It's just a matter of time. Yo, 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 it's MIA Radio. Yes, we're back. Episode 61. 61. Boom, we got it. We were like questioning (laughs) it. Making sure we got the Spanish down, you know, being that we're both native speakers. Yeah. But anyways, we got a non-Miami in the building. It's been a minute since we had a non-Miami guest in the building, man. Excited. We have someone from the West Coast in the building today. Let's welcome the one and only DJ Danger Zone. DJ Danger Zone in the building. What's up? How you feeling, man? Great, man. Happy to be out here. It's been a while. How's Miami treating you so far? So far, you're treating me great so far. <laughs> hey, one hey, hospitality. Got some Cuban know. food. You know, we don't. We got Bossa Nova in L.A., but and and it's great. But you know, to be in Miami and have that authentic yeah. stuff. And then we went to like a spot in the, like in Brit, like in the area we're in. It's not even like in the cut cut. Yeah. It's still good. So. Nah, that was legit. I'm telling you. Cash just start like a DJ hospitality, like strictly like when a DJ comes into town, he just. <laughs> I should. I have the room, bro. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you're listening, let me let me throw this plug, in there. Plug it in. If you're listening and you're coming down for Super Bowl weekend, mm. and you're looking for a spot to stay, hit me up. I am renting out the extra bedroom in my place. You can find it on DJ Airbnb. Yeah. It's a nice <laughs> room too. Yeah. That's, I that's, can vouch for it. That's for nice Danger Zone staying yeah. for this trip. You got so. your own bathroom, shower. Everything. You have your own key. Yeah, legit. Washer legit. and dryer. Everything you Was need. the first time you're in Miami or no? No, I've, I've been out here a number of times. Um, but the last time was 2016. Oh, so not that far off. Yeah. So we, we talked about that. We could talk about that off the rip and then go back to your come up and everything. So tell us. About the last time you were in Miami, um, well, first of all, tell us about yourself. Because, I mean, I we, we know you. Um, yeah. People might know you from DJ City, from the Mickey D show and everything else. A little background and then fuck it. Yeah, man, let's yeah. Do that. yeah we'll just I'll, go from there. I'll try to make it short as possible. Um, born and raised in L.A., the San Fernando Valley, to be exact. And um, after my uh, college baseball career, I started DJing. And um, fast forward, I met... Um, Ian, who was a tour manager for LMFAO. Okay. And then he put me in the Party Rock crew, the nice. the um the tour DJ air broke right. his leg. Oh shit. I filled in and it turned out to be a long term gig because he was wow. just never came. He fell off the face of the earth. Oh you shit. Know, I mean, we know where he is now, but he just, you know, Ghosted. disappeared. And so I was rocking with them from two thousand twelve at the height of the hits. Yeah. Um to I guess 2016 or no 2017, um, but LMFAO was 2012, and then they split up. Right. And I've been rocking with Red Foo, you know, cool. since 2013. But um, what year did you start DJing? 2000, I believe it was 2006. I was DJing college parties and doing that whole thing at right. at New Mexico State in Las Cruces. That's oh, where okay. I got a baseball scholarship. Oh, nice. Oh, you were I didn't know trying that. to go pro or you were like I was trying. Legit, yeah. legit. It wasn't in the stars. It wasn't in the recipe. Damn. Shit. Yeah. Hey, so you were just DJing parties over there and then ended up Yeah. The, the bar, I was doing the bar scene. We had a uh, New Mexico, you said? Las Cruces, New Mexico. Damn. So How's and that? It, 
uh, uh, 45 minutes north of El Paso, about two hours, two and a half hours south of Albuquerque. Okay. Um, it was different, man, especially growing up in the San Fernando Valley. Yeah. A lot slower. There's no such thing as traffic out there. Right, right, fact. And, and I was doing a bar where I had to bring vinyl. I mean, I was on vinyl at that time. And it was 20 minutes hip hop, and then they had a country guy. Oh, shit. It was 20 minutes country. So that's that was like my come up. And then I was an athlete, so I had connections with the basketball players and, you know, obviously baseball players. Yeah. So I was doing some of those parties, and and then I graduated, got my degree, and head back to LA. And, you know, that's where I met the DJ City guys, Phenom, right. um, Styles, Mickey War. I've, we've been friends since we were young we yeah. grew up play, competing against each other at parks and recs oh shit um so mickey and i both got into the spinatics which is where phenom and styles davis um were, were a part of right and yeah just we've all kind of gone our separate ways yet stayed close and help each other grown since um well let me touch on the mickey war show mm-hmm. like your connection with mickey said you guys been cool forever how did the show come along? And like, I mean, you because I remember watching like the old, old, old yeah. like Ustream, like yeah. when they were looked like they were like DJing in like a freaking uh, in like a closet, and it was like yeah. super tiny. So, yeah, where did all that come along? I mean, that's um, so the Mickey D show um, that was actually that was inspired by Bezo. We okay. saw DJ Henry. Yeah, I remember um, Bezo like kick off Bezo. Mickey and I said we can do that, or we can do we want to do something like that, right? And so we told Phenom, who was with DJ City uh, around that time. I don't know if he just started, but he was definitely in there. And we said, we, we want to do something where it's like a show or something. Not necessarily post-mixes like Bezo, yeah. but but we want to do Some something. Some platform to like. Yeah, and that wasn't really a thing at that time, or at least a consistent thing. Even Bezo, even Bezo was like, because I was. Ahead of his time. Yeah, I was in Texas yeah. back then. And like it was like when we were doing the mixes and then. They were doing. They started doing competitions too. It was like a, a yeah. very good hub, for like a social network for yeah. DJs. Uh, I mean, and I met a lot of people that I still talk to back then. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I remember being being in Texas and being like, "Yo, like, how can I get out there more? Like, what tools yeah. can I use?" I mean, f- almost fifteen years ago, six or seven, yeah. you're like, "Yo, like, like I'm DJing here, but I know I see these Vegas guys. I see this." And like mm-hmm. when I came across Bezo, I was like, "Yo." And you, I remember it started like you pay to put up your mixes. Right. And it's like $30 a mix. Yeah. But your reach was huge because you were, you were reaching. Like I, I connected with a lot of different DJs from all over the world. Like I said, some that I still talk to. So yeah, back then there was no, there wasn't anything really to be like, yo, like how can I learn more about DJing or like how, like there wasn't any platforms, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, so so we um, Phenom sat us down with Quickie and said, and said, "Hey, we have this idea where we want to start posting, um, doing live mixes and yeah. and interviews." And Phenom said, "You guys will be, you guys have great personalities, you have a, um, a chemistry, so yeah. we'll start with you. And if it works out well, DJ City will fully get behind it, mm. blast it to their follower, you know, their right. subscribers, just thousands of them. Yeah. So it started off real bootleg, I guess, <laughs> like anything else." And then when they saw uh, potential in it, Phenom said, "Just build, figure out a way to build a booth, and then start getting um, getting some names in there." Yeah. And so we built we built the booth. We started out doing it ourselves, and we're like, "No, this shit's way <laughs> over our head." So we, so Mickey hit up his dad, and his dad had some friends come in and f- to finish it off. And it was a great idea on paper. It was a great idea in theory, but 
And a lot of guys rocked that booth, but it got so fucking hot in that booth. So so we kicked it off. Fashion was our wasn't our first guest, but he was our first big guest. And thankfully, because we were in LA, we had Spider at our within reach and Sprite and everybody within reach. You know, we that that first season was like damn near a year long. What year was that? It was probably I think it was two thousand nine. Yeah, because this last year would have been the ten year anniversary. Wow. Yeah. So. So we were doing that weekly yeah. and we had to edit it, not, not video edit ourselves, but there was just a lot of stuff we had to do behind the scenes, right. you know, and it, was, it, it became a lot. Yeah. So, so then season two, we, I think season two, we got rid of the booth, we tore it down and then, and just kind of put it out in the open. And then we just started going after bigger names and we just, we wanted to get to the point where eight where we can just hit up a track say hey we'd love to have you right. on and he does it you know right and that's kind of where we got to now i feel like we've had damn near not there's a lot of legends out there yeah. but no you guys, you guys have gotten a lot of big names and a lot of yeah. people that are and it's a huge platform too you know like you when djs go on there they know like when spider tech did it he was like sure. yo like like i know that this is an a little nervous yeah he was super nervous <laughs> and we talked about it and like send him tracks and whatever and and i mean you're pretty much putting yourself out there yeah and then like the freaking chat forum is it's like, live streamed right Every yeah time. live show. the it's chat room was the best part of the That's show thing yeah so the like, chat is you, like you'd cutthroat. have you'd have guys like seen in there yeah to to just your up-and-comer yeah, and then you'd have DJ. guys that you'd have legends in like there. jazzy jeff would go in there all the time the and f- be like, Yo, what the yeah fuck? just like, pop in say yeah. what's up the first time i heard a spider tech four color zach was on the show and Spider was in the chat room, and and Zach's like, "Yo, Spider, what up?" And I was like, and I made note of that, like, "Oh, this guy must be someone." If Zach shouted yeah. him out, so then after that, I kept up, and I was like, "Oh shit, like this dude's dope." Yeah, and now, now about, he's a good friend. Yeah, that's <laughs> what's dope about the platform. Like, I don't think there was ever, at least in the beginning, like, yeah. like where a forum like that where DJs, I mean, live that DJs could go and just like while watching another while watching, dj yeah. because usually you do that like you guys go out you like go network and, right. and to catch another dj and you're like oh that was dope that was dope. but you're yeah. like literally in the chat room and you're like yo and you're sober it. and you're like <laughs> like you're paying attention like it, it's it, a monday night yeah. who's at home getting drunk and on you're a talking monday night. to like the other dj you've never met from That's like whatever saying. and yeah like, yeah it's i mean it's i've i peeped I mean, I peep most of the episodes, and it's you know, like you said, like the chat room is is the chat room is like, like no holds barred, like yeah, you know, anything. But goes. we we had to. It didn't happen often, but there are some guys we just had to get rid of them or or mute them, yeah, because they're just isn't it's like man, this ain't the like I know, trolling. you know, in the trolling yeah. or just they're, they're on Twitter. You can get negative and get your shit off and no one will care right but like this ain't the community for that we're not here to promote that so there's a handful of guys that we have to kick out that's crazy or or mute so you started that before you went on started going on tour with with lmfao yeah yeah we started that uh yeah and i started going on tour 2012 but i joined party rock i think it was like it was winter it was shortly after winter music conference 2010 yeah, so that's like that's that's where crying. I met Ian. Like, the funny thing about the Ian story is, I I went to high school with this baby mama. Oh shit! And she had been trying to connect us for the longest, and we had like two other mutual friends trying. And I think, I think he didn't want to connect with me because of my connection with the baby mama. You know, there's like always the baby like, mama yeah, drama. Attention, yeah. So and I respected, and and there was a point. There was one. 
I went to the LMFAO album release party, the first album release party at the Roxy. And I'm standing next to this dude as far as I am from you. And he's on the phone pacing back and forth. And my boy Chris is trying to introduce me to him. And nah. he don't give a shit. He, he's, <laughs> he's like super like, Hollywood about yeah. like, man, I ain't trying to meet. But then Mickey actually, where we were in music, we were at Live at a private event. And Mickey tapped him as LMFAO walked by and said, yo, this is my guy Danger Zone. And then after that, he was cool. He's like, oh, man, I know we've been trying to meet. Yeah. It was cool. And then that whole week, it was like, whatever you need, I got you. Got us in the clubs. And then when you get back to L.A., let's let's yeah, meet up. Link. Let's hang out. Right. And his baby mama lived like two blocks away from me. Oh, shit. So. Yeah. I, I really want to get into the party rock shit just because I think that was such an interesting time. And yeah. like the D, especially in like the DJ DJing aspect of it. Yeah. But like. Because you were doing the Mickey Warshorn and you were DJing in L.A., like, spots here and there, right? Yeah, yeah. I was doing, like, C&B level spots. But, like, well, op yeah. open format, like, you know, what the homies were yeah, doing, yeah, right? So format. were you ever, like, like reluctant when they approached you? Or, like, how did you feel about, like, all right, I'm going to join this party? Like, because in mm -hmm. the beginning, I mean, who knew that was going to be? Like, what um, was, yeah, what was your take? And yeah. then, I mean, we talked about what happened after, which is something yeah. that we'll, we'll touch on later. But, um, yeah, like, what was your, your like, damn am i still gonna be like can i still be like is is old head dj whatever yeah. whatever gonna respect the fact that i'm doing yeah. or like i don't know or did that matter to you that's you actually know. a really good question because i never thought about that and i probably didn't think about it because red fool used to be a dj like us yeah, right. he, he told me his routines and going from 128 to get it shorty to like some 64 BPM track. Like, you know, he used to be a resident at LAX. Mm. AM put him on. So mm. Red Fool had the connection and the relationship with all those LA cats. Yeah. So he got the stamp of approval. And normally when you get the stamp of approval, it doesn't matter what you put right. out. Your homies are, or your boys or whoever right, you're, right. the DJs are always going to support you. So it was, so that whole electro thing, it wasn't frowned upon or seen as sellout or seen as anything negative because it was underground and that and everyone wanted to DJ banana split around right. that time where mm. it was the and AM Aoki party. Right. And that's where Red Foo got his inspiration from for LMFAO. So I mean, uh I'm in Miami, bitch. You know, it was it was a great song and it was gonna do well. But the LA DJs really helped push that song. The LA radio, the Eric Deluxes, mm -hmm. all those guys really helped push that song forward because of their relationship with Red, with Red Fool. Fool, yeah. So I didn't, to answer your question, I didn't feel like I was getting into this fake, weird, one. It didn't seem like a poser, it didn't yeah. seem like a poser kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it, it was, was like, hips, being hipster at that time was was becoming a thing. Right. And it was like, you were cool, you were underground, you yeah, know, was, and that's, EDM was yeah. underground, so. That was you, the actual was wave cool. that was happening. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I really liked that scene because I felt like there was more love being spread around as opposed to, the top 40 A-list, B-list club yeah. scene where it was a lot of fake love within the DJ yeah. community. I noticed that shit. And I'm I'm new. I'm only a couple years in the DJing, but I'm seeing who these cats are. And I'm like, man, these guys are clowns. Not all. Yeah. But some of these guys are clowns and they're fake as fuck. But in that hipster scene and, you know, the heist on Thursdays was the place to be. It was AM's favorite, AM's favorite uh, venue to spin. Yeah. Same with Aoki. And I checked the community out, DJs, and like, man, these guys really, like, support each other and love each other. Yeah, because Banana Split, I mean, I, I never went to it, but, you know, you see the pictures and videos and you hear the stories of, like, you know, the booth just being filled with 
you know, with legends. legends. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, that's and then, the word. then you had Denmark Tuesdays. That's what I'm yeah. saying, yeah. So yeah. There, there was all these different parties, and, you know, Blockhouse was hot, and, like, that genre indie, like, the indie scene was huge. And that, like, even back then, I mean, also, did you know it was going to get that big? Like, And that's the thing. I, I because I was into the underground electro scene, I felt like I was ahead uh, of the top 40 guys, mm-hmm. not ahead of the, the underground kids. They're, gotcha. they're always ahead of the curve. Right. But because I saw what was happening and I was doing the heist on a regular, I saw what, where the changes were happening. So for me to be a part of LMFAO and this now poppy kind of hipster movement, I felt like I was on the right path yeah. and sooner or later be a part of something bigger or special. But I didn't think I would ever be the tour DJ. It wasn't in my interest to vulture or anything yeah. from air and i don't think he felt that either because we had a really good um connection but being a part of the party rock dj crew was something special and um <coughs> and not only did i get put on with that ian, ian said we'll put you in the crew and we'll get you on mood swing oh, Mo- for those yeah, that don't course. know mood yeah. swing was an agency that rivaled scam and right. dexter but it was an east coast thing right i think there was only one guy in the west that was on mood swing so um so i got put on mood swing and that was big because my rate went from 300 at Club Social in Hollywood to 1,000, you know, anywhere yeah. else, San Diego, right, LA, right, or whatever. Right. So that was a, a big deal for me as well, you know, leveling up and, and stepping outside of LA. That was when I really first started traveling. Dope, yeah. dope. And how how was, like, those shows that you guys, when you were on tour, like, how, how were those, like, because they had songs, obviously, but how were the performances? Like, how was the, the party rock? It, it was show. it was organized chaos. Yeah, and and it, and I say that because it was. Um, I I don't think I've ever been to. A, I don't know. I haven't been to a rock show, but a lot of people compared it to the energy of a rock show mixed with hip hop because that's kind of what that hipster EDM stuff was. It was it was blended with like hip hop yeah. um, energy, and we also had the Quest crew which were a group of dancers that won America's Best Dance Crew, I think season three. So you have like our dancers and their dancers and we're spread out uh, across the stage. Yeah. And the stage kind of looks like a house, like a house party. Mm-hmm. So there was so much shit going on, on during that show. Yeah. You didn't know where to look or what to do. And it was a movement. Like I don't think people realize LMFAO made about $4 million in merch 2000 around i think the year 2012 11 to 12 it was it was a movement it was like halloween every time we showed up and it was our night or our theme or whatever like party rock mondays or legendary i remember yeah we went they were game changing nights like like some people out of the country would tell me party rock monday changed my life which sounds stupid and ridiculous but that's how much it meant to these avid club goers it was crazy i i I think you were there that one time, right? We caught, I caught one of them like towards the end and it was when Red Foo was, we, we hadn't met. I remember you were playing and then Red Foo had the, the iPad. Yeah, he, he had his own app. Mm-hmm. He had like the iPad app and like you guys were rock and it was like, I remember seeing it from, we were with Confident like behind the scenes and like. Was this at um, Excess or Marquee? Yeah, I think, uh, Excess. Okay, I, that was probably our one of our, I remember meeting Conflict there. That was probably yeah. our first or second show. Or so, but it was so wild because there was like other shit going on and then like you guys had like the bottles of there was like five bottles of Ciroc, I'm guessing like filled with water and he's like drinking them like <laughs> yeah. and like 
like there was like you said there was a fucking commotion going on but it's all organized and we were i was just like Yo, yeah what it's, the fuck is going on and then people are going crazy you guys were like throwing like stuff out and like the confetti and this and that and yeah. and i mean we had seen that shit but like well it, it was choreographed too and it's like fact, it's fact. chaotic but it's choreographed I don't know what word. Yeah, how you say no, of Ch- course, chaos. Mm. But um, but no, the, it was real alcohol. We never. Oh no way. We never supplemented, you know, or uh, oh sub- shit, stay true. Oh, I didn't know that. I, <laughs> I thought always, I thought it was. And, but people assume that because yeah. there was so much drinking, so much right. going on. But but you didn't get a chance to see what um we did at Marquee, like that first year at Marquee, really um changed the game in regards to just how to make I don't know how to make a night pop off. It was the first time. Well, you you saw confetti in the club and just the way it was organized and all the stars were aligned. You had the Party Rock brand. Everyone at every table is dressed up like LMFAO. You had their their hits were number one. Marquee was brand new, and you they got this whole new light system and TV system and, or screens and plus the confetti and the the crowd like the way everything was synced up and the decorations a bunch of little things that really made the night special. That was never seen before. I remember hearing Excess um, would like would struggle on their industry Mondays. Like they had to give bottles away to get people there because everyone was there. Guys were crushing it. But but then they got smart. The next year they went out and got Diplo and Skrillex, and now they're starting to rival Marquee uh, Party Rock Mondays. I mean, for a brand like Excess to be like, "Yo, this is a problem." Yeah, it's an you know, you guys are doing something right. How were you? Yeah. You guys were bringing that show everywhere you went, or was it like Excess? Like, all right, we're like, what? This is what we need. We need this, this, this. Or you guys were just like full on orchestrated. Like, yo, we're gonna come in. We're gonna set up everything. It's gonna be like this, this, this. Yeah, when it was our, when it was a, a takeover, we had total control of everything. So even if it was just a random club in Chicago or anywhere, we had. We had the blow up animals. Mm-hmm. We had the shot glasses. We had like That's the. Uh, Everyone the, does the that now, but chains, like you know, like the then? chains on the shots. Yeah, yeah, and we just had sh- everywhere we went. We would decorate all the tables. We would dress the girls up, and the, the, the bottle service girls, mm-hmm. and you know the alf- the party rock outfits. So it was a full on takeover, and we'd have the shit mailed to the club ahead of time, mm. so we didn't have to That's really crazy. carry it That's with dope. us. But yeah, even in Europe or Asia, wherever we toured, we made sure stuff was was um, mailed and shipped, and or we would bring it out. And every show was a special thing, from the you know 2012 shows to the 2016 shows, and yeah. everything in between. We made sure it was an experience that it's something you you won't experience again or you haven't experienced yet. Yeah, it was insane. I mean, and the music the music was like those times, like the 2000s, and like. Um, you know, we'll we'll just get into it. Like, you know, a lot of people are, are frowned upon, or like even right right now, people are talking about like the 2010s, and I was like, I love that shit. Man. I loved it, and like we talk <laughs> about, fun. we yeah. talk about you it can all. Play everything. I, yeah. I tell them, I love it, and especially for DJs, it was yeah. like perfect. Like, thank you, it was like energy, like, it was energy, it was energy, like, but not EDM, not like a uh, vocal house. It was like like he said, like hip hop, kind of hip hop's like swag yeah. with the electro beat, which was hot in, yeah. in the moment. Kind of mixed and it the up. remixes too. The remixes yeah. like like the Love Lockdown remixes, yeah. Love Remix, and then there was like a few other ones that like it was just so good. And like I love up tempo music. I love EDM. Yeah. Like I love like high energy stuff. I mean, I also love the hood shit. But like to play those records, I mean, we were doing matching and we were doing these big rooms that yeah. it would fucking sound amazing, you know. And yeah. like, but 
when people were doing like 2010 recaps, like they try to like not talk about it or like not talk about like some EDM or some like LMFAO. Yeah. And I'm like, look, like it, it is what it is. And you know, they had hits like party rock anthem is a fucking hit forever. You know, like yeah. that's going to work. That's a song that's going to be out forever. So even you can argue shots like, Oh yeah. Shots like, is, you know, when shots first came out, it was, I remember DJing at social and I remember, um, like, well, I, I downloaded the song, but I haven't heard it yet. So let me just play it. And I was like 128, yeah. obviously. And I was like, yo, I got to get out of this. This is way, way too much, aggressive yeah. for yeah. this club. But then it became a thing. I think, yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's like some of these guys and maybe they're even the older guys, which might be the reason why you brought up, um, the question of, you know, the older cats yeah. disapproving my right, decision, right. That, but some of these purists and older cats, you know they, what I mean? Like, yeah, they, like, they, they, they don't give LMFAO the credit or they just didn't take the time to, to have an interest in, in the movement. Yeah. But it really was, you know, LMFAO set it off. Like they party yeah. rock anthem was the first song that didn't have vocals over the chorus or the drop you know what i mean yeah take over control those right. vocals came in right but party rock anthem really opened up the door like take over control was first and and it was a number one hit but party rock anthem blew the it's door. A different energy it just it, yeah. it blew it open and now you got more of a a pop um vibe as opposed to they still the edm and it kind of opened it opened the door it opened the door i always talk about the shift in genres and the shift in like you know, when we went from the Timbaland 115 in like sure. 2005 into the like Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, yeah, into the LMFAO, which opened the doors for EDM because like yeah. the LMFAO electro sound was its own thing, and it obviously came because the door was open for up tempo music to be made. Yeah, but you guys just fucking crushed it, and like it was just insane. Like, I, well, I, those LMFAO remixes really set the tone. Yeah. Because like Love Lockdown, obviously a big one, but you can play the Katy Perry, the Gaga, you can yeah. play any of those. And even if they were fillers, they were still great Bangers. fillers. And and the 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 drums sounded the so yeah. beefy and they were fatty couldn't. and just like the the scents were so just raw. I yeah. mean, you couldn't you couldn't deny the energy in those tracks and then that eventually gets into Party Rock Anthem. Yeah. But I want to go back four million in merch. Hold on, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It, it was a movement. It yeah. wasn't like, like it. I mean, now you can, I can, I can understand if guys look back and laugh at it now, point the finger and laugh and like, but, oh, you you were one of those like. But it's safe no, to. I mean, yeah, but if, if you look back at it, like they that whole. I mean, now it's that's like that, like that merch and that uh, kind of style that you guys were rocking. That was, that's like festival. Yeah, but you could say they probably started yeah. that right. Yeah, yeah, like yeah like, and that's the thing. Like, like the blur, the neon glasses like with the big font, all that stuff. Fu's a genius, yeah. man. Like a lot of people think he's just a big, goofy, dumb no, animal, he's but smart man. The dude's incredibly intelligent, and I've heard different people from different circles say this dude has one of the best ears I've ever seen or really? heard. And for those that don't know, his dad is Barry Gordy, the yeah. founder of Motown, so he had that growing up and then to add on top of that he was making hip-hop music in the uh early to mid 90s like remember back in the day by ahmad yeah like he produced that song. oh i didn't know that he was wow. li he was living in the jungles like he had a house in bel-air with pops 
you know but he was like no i want to live in the jungles in and the, and figure this out and be authentic that's with crazy it. so and the jungles is no fucking around yeah it's it's, it's a blood neighborhood yeah. in in la so he like you know i don't know what people some people think he's oh because is that like nah like he really yeah. and then he became a comedian and i think because he became a comedian or i think lmfao succeeded because he used that comedic background and add that with the musical background yeah. to this cool, funny hipster movement of electro, like it was a perfect storm. And that's why I say he's a genius, yeah. you know, because he he knew how to um, put wrap that all up in the one and just make it a move package. forward. With yeah. it. Uh, another thing that helped them at the time and what helped them go viral was the YouTube videos, the dailies. Yeah, mm-hmm. they would just post dailies of just being out in the streets in Hollywood and doing whatever. So. You know that helped their brand. That that brought you to how witty they are and how funny they can be. They were interacting. They were doing stuff. That, I mean, it's kind of quote unquote normal or expected now to have yeah. that kind of interaction with you know go, going live on IG or your story sure. or like they were doing that on YouTube. I mean, I mean, you could even see like we were talking before the podcast, like like some of these EDM guys. Like you could see how they might have influenced, of course, all that too. Like that whole social media, yeah. like engagement with like because like we were saying a lot of them get booked not because of their djing it's it's more it's of a package show and the the whole yeah the whole brand but know? it's like you could tell they're trying to be like oh we're like the relatable funny guys you know <laughs> yeah. what i'm saying but like these guys were like just living like that was their vibe yeah that's dope yeah it's yeah. always i mean to me like so when you were working with them now let's, let's go into like the traveling and the crazy stuff the overseas stuff and all yeah. that like you know, I, I've seen footage and I've seen everything and you guys were doing insane festivals and like just like wild. Like, like yeah. I mean, if you, if you want to break some down, some of like your most memorable shows, bigger shows or I don't know, like. Um, well, it, it's all kind of a blur. <laughs> um, you know, we, we did Tomorrowland. A lot of people cared about that at that time. So that was a big deal. Yeah for us but um i think what really stands out from from that um from those uh, those days of touring let's say 2012 because that was really the best years um it may 1st to the end of august we were i think the first six weeks of tour we were doing the states which was like two maybe three shows a week plus after parties here and there we're on a bus so it's very Mm -hmm. comfortable very you know, just like sleep on the bus, wake up in Miami, you know, yeah. type of thing. And we always had catering. So the food was great. Like it was grade A type shit. And yeah. then the shows were incredible. Um, And, and I, I got a Miami story we can get into later Oof, on. But let's go. <laughs> but but then we um, but then I remember our, our bass player saying, yeah, this is nice. Get Don't get used to this, though, because when we hit Europe, it's, it's a, a whole different animal. World, and man. I was like, well, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, so. So we get to doing the European show, which is seven weeks straight, seven weeks, but with only three days off. And some of those, and they were scat, they weren't back to back days off. And some of those dates were um, after parties. One, sure. one, one day we had three shows in three different countries. So we're flying, you know, to these Jeez. different Holy countries, shit. festivals. And then I think the last one was a club. So when we started touring Europe, it was the most exhausting period of my life. Like I played baseball, I've competed, you know, basketball and I've trained and worked and, you know, just did what I could 
to physically be ready, you know, for whatever comes next in sports. And you don't drink. And I don't drink. Yeah. I don't do drugs. I don't yeah, do anything. Nothing. I'm, I'm very boring. Safety zone. <laughs> Not danger zone. Safety zone. So this was the most exhausting period of my life. And and it's like, you ever been so thirsty when you drink water? You're like, oh, I can feel it. Yeah. Like it was a level you, above You feel it like, like, like replenishing. Replenishing your body. It, it was yeah. replenishing. Like my eyes would burn. So this was our... It, and you seen that Motley Crue movie mm-hmm. on Netflix? Yeah. Okay, so if you've seen it, you'll, you'll know where, where I'm going with this because they kind of put a, gave you a visual of it. You, you get to a venue. You, um, let's say you do a venue. Your set time's 2 a.m. or something like that, 12, 2 a.m. You go for a couple hours, and then sometimes there's after parties, and then right after the after party, you go to the airport. So you go to the airport. You got a 5 a.m., 6 a.m. flight. You, it takes however long it takes to get to the next stop. You land. You have just enough time to check your stuff in. Then you right. got to go straight to sound check, sound check yeah. which is usually, for whatever reason, would take two hours. If I don't know if they just had didn't have the Serato box or they were missing something, but we couldn't leave sound check until everything was there. We had to okay. blow up the animals. We had to decorate the club. And food doesn't have to be part of it. He's chilling in the room. Yeah. <laughs> but And even if I got done with my sound check, I still had to wait. So sound check's over. You have enough time to go back to the room and... And take a shower, maybe, maybe get in an hour nap, and then you go to the, the crew dinner. You go to the dinner, then you just chill, and you got this big gap between the dinner and the show. You go to the show. This was an everyday thing. Yeah. In some cases, we would fly to, we would do a festival like at 3 p.m., drive to the show a couple hours out, and then go and then go to the airport after and catch up with the bus at the next festival. Like I'm telling you, my eyes were burning, and it was this was an everyday thing. I remember on the day off, I was my the pain was so bad, it just it didn't even matter. It was a day off, like I didn't. You were already over. I didn't feel relaxed. It was the same shit. Like it was so. It was so deep, so deep past the threshold that it was just like yeah, yeah. Like so, um, but there there were some cities where I I had to I had to wake up early and explore, like south the. Uh, what you call it? Uh, south of France. Yeah. Um, that uh, we did um the movie uh festival. Uh, Monaco. Monaco. We yeah. did. We did Monaco. We did um Monte Carlo. Monte Carlo. That's what yeah, I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but Monaco was a part. We did some private shows out there. Monaco was like super duper rich people. Yeah, fact. <laughs> um, I don't think I think a lot of people rich people buy houses in Monaco and claim that as their house for tax purposes. Um, Nice was a part of it too. So. I had to get up early and, and just deal with the pain and walk around. Yeah. And then um, uh, we did a couple shows with Madonna. That's insane. And that time she was hot. Yeah. We opened for her. That was We did, uh, what's that one um, in London, that Hyde Park? Right. Is it Hyde Park? I think so. Man, we opened for her, and this was a humbling experience. They didn't know anything about us. The crowd. Oh, oh my God. So it was, it was crickets. like... Specific. It was crickets until Party Rock Anthem when 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 the sense dropped dun, Party dun, Rock dun, Anthem. Dun, they oh, you're that, those, you're those yeah. But before that, we played shots, and I remember. And so in the um, the waveform, uh, the the track, Foo cuts out everybody because a crowd yeah. says, everybody. "Oh no!" <laughs> so when that oh, like part on, came up, like on the track, on the on the play track, on the play oh, track, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, on the show, show track. track, yeah. So when that part came up, it was dead quiet. Oh my god! And, and then Foo. 
comes back to me. He's like, why are you cutting the volume during this part? I said, you edited that yeah. way, bro. He was like, the one you? He's like, oh, oh, shit. shit. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so crazy. So, But yeah, no, that was... And then Madonna's like her catering and her. Of course. Oh my like, god! I thought we were living. Nah, she's on some diva. What? Yeah. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, LMFAO. But how was it like, like being in that atmosphere, like day in and day out? Because I mean, you said you don't drink, so I mean, if they're partying, like yeah, crazy. and that's the thing. They would they would drink, and and try their best to hook up with girls, and like I really like I probably hooked up, like. And people are gonna call me liars but i probably hooked up with like five girls in that whole tour like maybe i can count them on two hands i wouldn't even like like i mean i've been in situations like that i mean i've been in my situations where i'm like around girls and i'm just so tired and so out of it that i'm like i don't even want to be around this shit yeah so that's tour, what i'm saying and, and, and plus you have to you, your time is very limited so do i try there's no guarantee do i try and hook up with this yeah. girl or do i get my or do i Fucking get two hours, hours of sleep, sleep yeah and you know damn well those two three hours are going to be so worth it better than but any are, girl are you trying to <laughs> get your nut off because that's really what it was yeah, was fact. like the challenge of can i get this fact, girl fact. and the girls in europe were way more open especially if you're an american guy and you know i never had sex with a drunk girl but you know you get them liquored up they they're they're a little bit more open and and easier to to bring back right so plenty of times i got in that situation like nope i'm going to bed fuck y'all my sleep is y'all can have this one i'm good i'm out no i mean that's there must be some wild And, and yeah to your point um it was like they would drink i don't know how they did it and no one did drugs like a food caught anything and like weed obviously you know weed's like yeah. a harmless thing but if he caught you with weed like i'm not saying you'd be off but he'd have some words for you but anything hardcore oh wow. for sure if you got caught you'd be it. out he didn't do drugs and a lot of people think thought he did drugs because of his music like nah he that's just drank good, bro because especially drank. like a, a tour that's centered around partying like yeah. that's the thing like you gotta you be kind of disciplined i'm uh, sure those was, the girls and maybe some of the pro- not maybe but some of the promoters around us would bring that shit but who didn't want it in yeah. his presence and that's good yeah yeah so that was kind of a blur we we did a um i can't say this dude's name but we did a uh a, a, a billionaire we did multiple parties for this billionaire um that was like beyond any music video that you've seen you know just like just a wild next wild level. experience yeah it's like multiple um artists were involved um we had our own we had our own yacht like it was like a i don't even know if you call it a yacht but it was like a 12 we had 12 rooms holy shit and like it was a like party it was like, rock boat yeah Go exactly full on, full on yacht, <laughs> it yeah. was our hotel and then when we went to this billionaire's boat he his boat was bigger and he had and he had it was just us, this guy, like three or four of his friends, and 30 tens, 30 girls that are just dimes. And it was just the most intimate yet cool party. And this was in like San Tropez. So another, you know, south right. of France yeah, yeah, destination. destination. Right. And it was just like, man, and I'm just like, man, I've never. So look, I don't do, I don't drink, right? You guys know. And so the only time I would take a shot is on my birthday. And at the time it was either my birthday or a huge something monumental right, just right. happened this party was so big and working with this guy was so big i took a shot with the crew i was like all right let's okay, you know, this, this is, this is one of those damn um yeah yeah so and that was a half we did that a halfway point and it that felt like a vacation and a relief compared to, to everything the else. grind of the festivals and and what, what really um sucked about the festivals you had to get there f- like three four hours in, in advance and then all you do is wait 
you're you're dead tired. Back, you want to sleep, but you got a couch that fits two people. Yeah. So a lot of guys are just passing out on the floor, or stacking chairs together, or falling asleep on the grass outside with the music blasting. So you're you're so kind tired. of falling asleep, but you're still you're cranky because it's not real sleep. Yeah. That that was when you had the opportunity to sleep, you couldn't sleep because you had to be somewhere. Did you ever during that time? Did you ever do like solo DJ gigs at, in those some of those places? No, because it was I didn't have those connections mm -hmm. at that time, and so everything we did was a red food thing or a party rock thing. But it it, it was definitely a red food thing. Yeah, you probably wouldn't know how to even time. <laughs> when, when when I was in the states, there was there was a couple situations where I got booked and. Um, the crew came out and supported and like there was one in Dallas that was I'll never forget it was like just one of the one of the coolest nights I've ever had where the crew came out it was my night it was my residency my bi-monthly residency I forgot the name of the club it closed down but it was a legendary club in the city and everyone came out it was just it was just a dope situation That's so, dope, but man. that was in the states I had my contacts at right. Europe Europe was a whole different area yeah I mean, now, I, even back then, I don't know. I mean, from the time scheduling, too, it sounds like it, it's just very small window to, like, plan stuff. Yeah, because either way, because I, I was thinking about it as, like, shows and then after parties, but you guys pretty much were the part, the, yeah. the, show, the show happening the in the club, yeah. right? Yeah, and the thing is, Live Nation had to sign off on any official after parties. So when we did Live, mm -hmm. that was, it was us, Sydney Sampson, who had... Riverside, Riverside at the time yeah. and everyone you know he was like the, the guy, the guy right. and then you had Far East Movement which had like a G6 so they Ooh, were all on tour damn. with us and Eva Simmons who had Takeover Control so it was, it was actually a pretty dope lineup yeah, it was but like Powerhouse 2000 Powerhouse <laughs> 2010 Powerhouse it was, it was legit so we would take that and we would be the only ones that would perform though Far East would just come and hang out and drink and same with the others um, but yeah yeah it's um, Live Nation had to sign off on if, it, it, unless if I wanted to do my own thing, it couldn't I, be branded. I couldn't brand it yeah. with them. It was, I forgot how I branded it, but but chances are they were getting like we were man, we were real so deep. You got like nine, ten dancers from Quest Crew. You had the Party Rock Crew, so that's like that's twenty dudes already. Yeah, not counting friends, not counting other workers, because we would travel with three or four tour buses, yeah. and you had one tour bus filled with the stage crew and they had as soon as they loaded up the stage they were out to the next stop way before yeah. we left and they had to get in and set up Pretty asap much, yeah ground uh boots on the boots on the ground people that just yep uh, off the they're road. not there to party they're they in fact they want to stay away from you they don't want to hang out with you they want to drink beers and and smoke cigarettes and just shit, do their yeah. own thing how was it getting off that like day-to-day -to -day tour grind with being around all the same people every single day structured schedule show sleep and then you're off that yeah it took me it felt like physically it took me a month to get back into it and just get back into something normal yeah or um i remember yeah i remember all of september actually i couldn't even really recover in september because we had a party rock um tour out in canada but i i remember um i remember it being rough and also i was out of touch with music i was out of yeah. touch with sports Thank God I didn't have a girlfriend. I would have been out of touch with her for sure. Yeah. <laughs> because because when you have free time, you just want to sleep. sleep yeah. And you have to decide, is it music more important? You got to figure out what's more important to you. So I was out of touch with music. And so my sets weren't the best fresh off that tour. And I'm just like, oh, shit, Drake and 2 Chainz got a track out? You know, yeah. like, wow, yeah. where'd that come? Like, when did that happen? You know, 
And that's when the shift started happening in music towards the end of 2012. Here comes 2 Chains and Drake. And that's when you started like leaning more towards hip hop and getting away from LMFAO and the up-tempo stuff. So how did that affect uh, your shows? Well, we were still big internationally. Like mm. our checks internationally were so much more bigger than the States. And that's just how it is in general. That's yeah, with everything. every artist. I mean, that's, You'll that's get anything, period. Yeah, like. um, so, yeah, we... After that tour, Fu took a month off. Then we hit um, Mexico. We had a Mexico run. Um, we had uh, shows out in Turkey and Cyprus, uh, Russia. We, had, we were out there for like 10 days. Didn't see the sun for 10 days. Um, That's depressing. And then, and then after that, 2013 is really when things changed. But we were still Japan, Asia. Yeah. We, we, were, we were back in um, Mykonos for the summer. We had a, a Spain, like we were still doing our stuff internationally. It just wasn't as popular. And Fu wanted too much for the states, so the states kind of moved on and went with start whatever was where, wherever it was going. Yeah, but I mean, being being an artist at that level, when you get to that point, you know, just kind of like we talked about it off the podcast, like with Pitt, like Pitt doesn't have to put out a song, yeah, and he can still travel. Like he can go to Dubai once a year, make that check that he can literally yeah. live off that one check. And, you know, or go to Europe or do a tour in Europe or go to Japan or whatever. Like when you're like a staple artist like that, you know, there's 90s bands that had two hits in the States that travel Europe for the summer. And that's how those guys live for the rest of the year. You know, like yeah. N- Nelly never Nelly. has to make another I mean, song. That, that's <laughs> N- Nelly's Nelly's because he can do that shit here too. You know? Yeah. But um, no, those artists, you know, you, you can take the whole year off and then be like, hey, it's the summer. Let me go to Europe and. And make that bread. So, when everything shifted, um, how did you take uh, take control of your career? Like, what did you do? And like, yeah. um, the music started shifting and everything. And then, like, I mean, not you weren't scarred, but you know, there's as that music started fading out or phasing out. Yeah. How did you take the Danger Zone brand and like? Uh, over not overcome, but like you just have to make up, it. make, make up some evolve? ground. Evolve, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that was rough. That was a rough time because um, party rock was like at one point you wanted that party rock brand. People would book me because I had that brand, and yeah. they throw whatever money at me. But shortly after 2012, even I, let's just call it 2014, it's like nah, you're that party rock dude. I'm I'm good. I'm booking you. We're it's a different. Yeah. We're not doing that anymore. And I'm trying to tell him, like, it doesn't have to be about that. Like, right. I'm an open format DJ at the end of the day. So it was rough. Um, and and then so around 2014, Fu went off to Australia to be a judge on X Factor. So 2014-15, I was kind of on my own, but I still had that brand. Some people still mm-hmm. wanted it, but, right. you know, a lot of clubs were uh, leaning towards not wanting it. So I reconnected with Fu back in 2015 because... He wants to put out his solo album, and he he like he's got that energy of I got something to prove. Yeah, I'm gonna do my own thing, and it's gonna be great. And it really was, and I promise I'm not saying this because that's my guy, but it really was a fun. It was a fun album. I enjoyed all the songs on the album. Yeah, and maybe it's because I have my connection with him. You know, maybe it's because I understand what it took to put this album together. Um, so we 2000 end of 2015 on. We started touring that album, yeah. And so going into sixteen, I was back out here with him. We did Icon and Set, and um, we did. We were out here for Ultra. We were out here for like four or five days. Ultra, so it was you know, 
And then back in that that album, one of those songs or a couple of those songs went platinum in Asia or multiple countries in Asia. So that album, and he knew uh, no matter what I do in America, they're not going to take it because music's changing. And even the Kiss FM connection, you know, which was the big pop station back home or back in L.A., like they just would rather push other pop artists yeah. and you know maybe the, it was the, a label thing or the direction of the music was going somewhere else yeah so. yeah so um so we we just did a lot of stuff I fe- it felt like every weekend or every other weekend we were overseas and but it was great the crowds were like he'll always be a legend overseas because a party rock anthem is sexy and i know it yeah, and and they really enjoyed the energy of his um, newer songs and the thing about his thing about a red foo show you're you're not going to experience anything else like that because of his energy, because he um he has the multiple dancers all over the place, EDM DJs. Uh, no no knock towards them, but we were just talking. You got yeah. one guy in the DJ booth and the other guy hyping on, the, on crowd. the hyping the crowd, which is fine, but that's as far as it goes. It. You don't you don't have the inner uh a, a more I guess you can call that interaction, but or more of a show. It's like, more of nothing it. more to show like than just yeah. that. Yeah, because there's there, there's antics there's things going on there's it's choreographed so if fool continues to do that on all his shows he'll always keep himself separated right. you know i was telling you it's too it's 2020 fool's still seen six figures yeah. in, in overseas yeah. like he's doing private shows and festivals for six figures yeah. so like you and and this is one thing i learned you know you say oh man i haven't heard anything from him he fell off and i used to say that about a lot of artists yeah. because i didn't hear from them but Nah, yeah, he's just not just interested. Eating, yeah. He's just, just chilling. Like you don't have to be in this music and he's business those forever. Residual checks all right. day. Yeah. Those songs are still being used. I mean yeah. I don't even want to know how many billion plays Party Rock has or shots, day, or shots and mo- in movies on YouTube. Like, all that yeah. stuff. I mean he's he to me he's like I think Party Rock Anthem just just went diamond overseas or in the States not too long ago. Last year. Yeah, that's insane. Um, th- I think there are other records out there too that that they broke or that they uh, they they had the record on YouTube until Gondam stopped. Right, the right. Oh, that's right. Um, but but yeah, no, he's yeah, movies, commercials, everything, and 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 I think it was one of the. Fr- I mean, after like after the Black Eyed Peas, like in that era too, that's when uh, product placement became huge. And yeah. I remember LMFAO like. The product placement on the videos was insane. Mm-hmm. Like, and you w- you wouldn't see that before when it's like, yo, Beats headphones and like Ciroc, and then like the Kia fucking little. Uh, <laughs> well, that that Kia commercial like, really helped not, blow yeah. it up too, because it was like six months before Party Rock Anthem went one. It was like they put it out and it was fun, and it took a second for DJs to really be able to use it properly. But then the hamster shit came out, and it kind of just Connected, took off after yeah. that. I remember that commercial. It was like. Yeah. Like it was just so catchy. And you know, the kids would see the hamsters dancing and shit and you're like, oh fuck. And and man. I think that's where the connection that's when LMFEO went from being a strictly club hook up with girls, you know, not frat boy in a, in a like bad raunchy, raunchy ish. Like. Yeah, like they went from that to now we're talking about families because you got these kids that are enjoying this hamster thing. Yeah. And then then it's just it all kind of snowballs after that and it becomes a more of a family song. You got from kids to older to 60 year olds thoroughly enjoying that yeah. song and loving the energy of it so now they're on good morning america right. now they're doing 
these pop it's smart. I mean, and that's what happens. I think a lot of good artists realize that, you know, kind of same thing with Pitt. Like, Pitt did all his hood shit, but then, like, as soon as he started making, you know, top 40 records, he's like, yo, this yeah. works. Let me, like, clean up my act and yeah. let me capitalize on this. And, I mean, to me, it's, somebody mentioned it that, I mean, if you were to do, like, a 2000s, like, dance party, that would be... The base of it, so yeah. LMFAO, LMFAO, yeah. I mean, Cherry Tree Records, because at that time they had LMFAO, um, Far East, Lady Gaga, wow. um, Black Eyed Peas. Yeah. You know, where, where I think Will I Am was like the head of that, but and that was all an extension of Interscope. Right. And you know what's crazy about uh, when I say Interscope, it triggers something in my head. I was told, I don't know how factual this is, but I was told that LMFAO, when they were on fire. 40 they they um like i guess 40 percent of hip-hop sales for interscope were down because it was a new wave kids were listening to that instead of hip-hop now you might think interscope's happy for these guys and they're getting their money and no. nah because now you're fucking with their business yeah. on the hip-hop side the balance so so they they and that's another reason why i say when, when you shift the culture or when you um what's the word i'm looking for um when you shake something up yeah Kind of create a new lane. You're, you you need to be given that respect. You know, you like when you're when you change the game or alter things. Um, I think you need to be given that respect, or at least be uh, you know just be given something yeah. for for shaking things. I think up. a lot of people look at that time almost as like a phase, but it, it kind of started a lot of trends and a lot of especially in the music, like yeah. a lot of things that you guys were doing, like trickled down into the next wave of artists and djs and all that yeah i mean like you said even like the the edm guys now you know it's it's all those doors were open because of lmfao like to have that performance like before it was just house a house dj tech dj or or even the idea of like having your own old like takeover concept like yo we're gonna completely transform the night and we're gonna have our own dancers our own merch our own like all that like people weren't doing that like how you guys were doing it back then yeah i mean we've like we've done our events and it's a big, I, like when we did the the sway one. I, yeah, I, I'd always think about that, like about LMFAO. It's like, yo, like yeah, for sure, full on, like the originators of like the full on, full on production. Yeah, we were inflating yeah. the balloons, all that, the yeah. or not like, the balloons, yeah, the, the beach balls, beach balls, the palm trees, all that. Yeah, yeah. If 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 it was about the money for Fu, he wouldn't have had so many people hired to do little things like blow right. up balloons right. or drive the stuff out to Vegas for Marquee or paint our arms like we had a guy that painted our arms a spray paint and and he he didn't care he's just if it made the show better or if it made things look cooler we didn't need 10 dancers on tour with yeah, us you know yeah. but it was worth it like we should have been we should have been flying private to every show in in europe and asia but because we had so many guys plus their luggage it didn't make sense a couple of times we did private but it's but food didn't care it was you know it was about making the show the best version it, it can be made, you know? Nah, that definitely showed, like, those little details go a long way, especially when you're yeah. doing something new, for sure. Yeah. But uh, after all that touring with them, how were you able to, like, get, because now you're DJing, like, open format, right? Yeah. So how were you able to kind of sh- maneuver back into that circuit? Um, yeah, it's, uh, like, I was talking to Kaz earlier about it. It took me about when I parted ways with, or when we parted ways, uh, a couple years ago, it took me about a year and a half to get my brand right, to get it to where it needs to be. And um, a big, it's funny because I was I was his um, his um, 
excuse me, his um, um, like booking manager towards mm-hmm. the end of that Red Food run. So I was more wrapped up in his stuff and getting his everything lined up for him than I was. I was more wrapped up in that and focused on that than my own. Right. So I didn't even have an EPK. I didn't have videos. I didn't have anything. So when we parted ways, I was like, shit, <laughs> I need to get my shit together, yeah. you know? So it took, you know, I took a lot of gigs I didn't care to take, but I'll, I will always be thankful for them. Uh, use them as stepping stones to, I did it strategically. I like to think I did. So I would take, uh, uh, like, I I break bookings down in the levels. Like, you got your tier one, your level one, you know, the dares, the towels, the memoirs and grands. And you got your level two and three. And there's nothing wrong with level two and three because, um, you know, some people just want to pay bills and some people use it as a, um opportunity to spend with homies right. and some people use it as uh, uh, an opportunity to get in the city and see what's what so i did a lot of those level two and threes just to get in the city and figure out who do i got to talk to what do i have to do to um to you know do bigger and better in the city because you're always trying to grow your brand you're always trying to evolve and take it up a level so i cleaned up my uh, we were talking about this i cleaned up my instagram I started using my Instagram as more of an EPK and having it look like an EPK. These are the clubs I do. This is what it looked like at the Grand. This is what it looked like at Tau. Any other flyer that was up there or video that just was great for the moment, but I didn't need to, I didn't need it to live up there forever. Right. I would delete. Like I have no problem deleting videos. The Mickey D's podcast, I post a video once a week. I delete older videos just to keep things clean. I don't yeah. want it to be specifically about that. So I started, I stopped posting on my feed as often and started treating that like an EPK and posted everything else on my stories. It comes and it goes. So there was that, which I think has something to do with it because the way I see it is if you're, you're a booker and you hear about me and you have a level one club and you say, I've been hearing about this guy, Danger Zone, but I don't know. He's not part of any agency. He's not a part of any clique. Like, yeah, he's. I, I read in an email he does these spots, but it just doesn't sound sounds a little off because he's not a part of all the above. Right. Um, let me look at his Instagram. Oh shit, that's that's a dope pick. That's a dope. The grand. Oh memoir. Tao. Oh dope. You know. So I feel like that has something to do with it. And um, and yeah. So just using some of these cities as stepping stones. And some of them I won't I won't go because I'm going after level one. I know everyone has their own purpose and their own goal, and they you know they have their eyes set on whatever i want to do focus on level one bookings and you know i have the grand and memoized residencies um monthly i'll rotate it at the shrine every other month same owners and then i'll do the tile group stuff in vegas and starting to pick up more monthly stuff in orange county and riverside so i i like in all that's been set up through connecting with people networking just being cool i don't have anything to swap that's another thing like we talked about this gig swapping is a big thing i don't have anything to swap with these guys so what you're what you're getting is just basically the brand brand and the skills and and chances are my relationship got me in the door and i said this on the podcast it come and i tweeted about it it comes down to these three things in this order your relationship your brand and your skills And, and for those that are all about skills Unfortunately, that's the way the market is right now. That's the way the climate is. I tell people like it's, it's exactly that, but the skills is what gets you back. The I mean, skills is what yeah. what no, no, gets no, no. you, the, what, gets what, you back what in. Keeps, the, what keeps you 
in the booth, I guess. Yeah, the, the relationship the, will get you in the door. The brand will justify the booking because these bookers need a reason to book you, right? right. Like, especially if you no one's heard of you. Yeah. And I'm coming not fresh, but I'm coming fresh off of this trying to get out of this party rock brand and being branded as that LMFAO guy, which is a decade ago, you know? Yeah. So, so the brand they need to justify you uh, for your brand. And then if, and then if you do it right, they'll get you, they'll rebook you. And you're a lot easier to work with because you're, I'm not, I'm not a lot easier to work with because I'm not part of an agency. Yeah, you're not yeah, So you don't have to deal with that and BS and, and oh, get my other guy in there, you know? So, so it's like a, it's like a storm of a lot of things that kind of plays into where, where I am now. And, and I will say, I think a lot of DJs feel because of the party rock brand, it's helped me get into, um, certain markets and i think that's fair but i'd say 90 plus percent of bookings and bookers don't care for that brand yeah and and i don't even mention it to them but it it helped me but i did shrine back in 2011 i think because of party rock and and mood swing so i got introduced to randy there who's the owner and then we've done stuff off and on during the red food days tao uh, I met Mike Mike Snedeker and Mike became family with Party Rock. So I had that relationship. But even with Mike, it wasn't like snap your wrist whenever you yeah. want to come in your book. Like he it you know, he had his method on why he would or he wouldn't book me. And it felt like a lot of times he wouldn't book me, but I understood why. My brand wasn't there, the relationship was there, but the brand wasn't there and they had and they only booked a handful of guys. You know, so they're going to continue to go with those guys right. where they feel comfortable and when they trust in the brand. So I had to build up to get to that point. And I'm still building. It's like you're, it never you're, ends. I mean, it, it never, never ends with these guys. And then, you you know, once you're in there, like like Boston, Rand, Randy could book anybody. He he I think at that time, last a year ago, I was one of maybe a few DJs that weren't a part of an agency that was getting in that was getting in so and i felt like because of my skills he was just like fuck it like you don't need to be part of anything big i I like the way you dj the crowd responds uh, the um servers like you yeah so why would i not book in and, and i wish it was like that at every club yeah it'd be- but but a lot more a lot of clubs are just like no if he ain't this if he ain't affiliated with this guy or that guy i don't want him yeah. you know it's like unfortunately yeah. that's the way it is so I like I'm I'm also saying all this to encourage DJs like you got to be creative and I and I would do the best I can to just take a look at it at the the um climate and instead of complaining about it figure out a way to use it to my advantage or exactly. figure out a way to find a loophole there's always a loophole in something yeah, yeah or find find an opening or something I mean it's it's very very smart and very like I mean younger DJs like it's his <laughs> Like coming, you know, all he's saying is truth and it's it's true, you know, like you have to have that relationship and like at the same time your brand, like, you know, if you're not ready, you're not ready. And then if the DJ's on that level or like there for a reason, find a way for you to be in that up there for that reason, you know? Yeah, it's, some it's people super. might think just because you did that party rock thing that like, oh, it made it easier or whatever. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's like. It started hurting me. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, and that's not a slide towards fool. And I think he understands that or any of those guys, but it stopped working in my favor. And unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, I wasn't around during the hype of all of it because I was touring so much. And that's the thing with tour DJs. 
you're focused so much on the artist and and keeping up with his schedule. And yeah, you're having fun and you're it looks great on the gram and all these DJs are envious of you. But when you go home and that artist says, I'm gonna take two months off, what are you gonna do? Yeah. You know, like we taught we had Tay James on our podcast and he had gone through that. And now he's he can do whatever he wants now. He gets his own bookings and I mean he's he's with an agency, but He's, he told me, I'm still out there grinding. I'm not yeah, relying that, on... That's what it is. Like, it, no matter what position you are, it's always a grind. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you're on the level one, the level two, or level three. You got to figure out how to navigate. Yeah. Does, and, like, you could be on tour killing it with the party rock crew. And then, like you said, two months off, you got to figure it out. Yeah. But you're a smart enough dude. You figure it out, right? Let me get my brand right, get my, my music right, and, and then get back in it. But a lot of people are just like, yo, like, nah, why don't, why am I not there? Like that, that guy was on LMFAO, like, you know. Yeah. But it's, it's they don't old. understand the back end. I mean, once you start understanding how things work from the back out, you're just like, all right, well, oh, this is, oh, okay, like, I mean, it all comes with experience. That's what I always say, yeah. like, from situations and whatnot. Um, you said you had a Miami story. Oh, so yeah. when we did our um, American Airlines Arena, right? When we did our uh, our tour stop in Miami. We got there, it's 2012, to paint the picture, and it was a Thursday night. We had an off night, so it was House at Live, right? I forgot yeah. who they, they had this duo. Um, Sunnery, James, or something. Yeah, they're always there. Yeah, they always there. So it was their night, and we we showed up. They gave us a table, and we had a show at Live the next day, the after party, the official after party, and the Miami Heat just won. Oh, shit. So they just won their first so they um they gave us a table in the back by the stage which sometimes is the dj booth yeah yeah like on the stage area yeah Yeah. and so they cleared out that whole back area for the miami heat so yeah so we they they came with Irie. they cleared out the edm guys and Irie just started playing hip-hop on their house night and the whole squad there's a picture of of me with LeBron, stand, LeBron is, and Dwayne Wade standing over the crew, and I'm like, I'm right under them. But it was just such a dope experience to see it go from this to that. It's like, all right, we won. We got to change the shit up. Like, boom. Yeah, and, and you know, we just had a, a podcast episode talking about catering towards your artists or people in the room. Yeah. And, yeah, that you know, Grumman knew what he was doing. Like, YouTube, fuck out. I mean, he didn't say it like that, yeah. but fuck out of here. You know, LeBron and the team's here. He knows what LeBron wants. Irie knows what LeBron wants. And then the next day, we did American Airlines. And that energy from the championship bleeding into, oh, my God, man. It was unreal. It it was a dope night. It's about, like, the the whole team was there, but also they just won. So, like, you can't be, like, you got to go in with. And Irie's the number one Miami Heat NBA DJ. Yeah, and at that time, he, I mean, he's, he's still doing great. But at that time, Irie was on fire. And and then you know so you have you have your hits, but you also have I'm in Miami, bitch, which yeah. was like something I think uh, Miami may or may not, but may hold near and dear to them yeah, because it was about them. And the funny thing is, I met LMFAO, or I, first time I saw LMFAO was at like Deco 2020 or something like that. Deck, <laughs> Deck. It was an opium group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was at a scam party. There was like it was, was 2007 or something like that, but. I remember seeing these two clown-looking dudes walk in, and they're they're hanging out with Mr. Chalk, and they're fucking with Mr. Chalk while he's DJing, trying to distract him. I'm like, who are these guys? I'm like, oh, it's LMFAO. I'm like, they got that I'm in Miami song. I was like, oh yeah, I like that song, but nobody knew it at that time. Yeah. A year later, 
it was the biggest song in Miami and you know, they're doing live and they're doing all these things. So fast forward to 2012 when we dropped them in Miami, like who better to drop course, it, you know, yeah. for than than the Miami crowd. It's still, I mean, for a while it would still like, yo, like tourists come in, they get on Facebook, they check in. I'm in, I'm Miami. in Miami bitch. Or like, the t-shirts. Yeah. Or the t-shirt, bro. For the longest. Every, every Miami gift store had like the bootleg. Bro, I'm in Miami, yeah. the bootleg bitch. Every, and you, I mean, you could still see some like, Euro trash looking people oh, like still got it, always, always with the the tote bag and the fucking I mean Miami neon everything, yep. everything man. It was, it was wild. Something I had asked you before, um, you saw live, you've seen all that. Like tonight, well today's Thursday. This coming out tomorrow. Um, you're not familiar with Winwood at all, right? Like, right. You haven't been so like I've told you like you know it's a gentrified neighborhood. Like what's your idea? Like what's your take on you know what I've told you and like kind of like what do you expect about because you know i told you like the the i've told you what everybody else that's still listening because everybody else <laughs> probably already cut off but if you listen to the podcast you know we talk about like the south beach and like the real shit like what like from what i've told you the format what do you expect about like winwood i don't know like well i, I see i don't even think of it like what do i like i don't even think of winwood i just think miami miami yeah so i think you know latin i think um a lot of hip-hop um, I don't, I don't like, I'm not familiar with how the breakdown of each section, like you explain South Beach, you explain yeah. Wynwood and then you explain a, another city. Brick, well, like, I mean, Wynwood is, I would, we, we can just split it with like South Beach and then you have like the rest, okay. which is Wynwood and downtown. Yeah. So yeah. Like, what do you think? I mean, from what I've told you or, or what you've seen, I guess, cause I've told you that like EDM, the bubble here was so big that like. Yeah the once it bursted everybody was like no like yeah yeah like no 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 like no just latin <laughs> latin latin um or or like what do you think is going i mean i guess i don't know what's your take i guess um i'm I'm hoping it's going towards more open format yeah. i think anything that goes on for so long you get sick of it and you want to open the doors and it, and it usually takes a club or two to say like let, let's just let's just call bottle service okay we on our podcast we were talking about one of the questions was, will podcast, I mean podcast, will, will bottle service continue to be a thing or will it start to, not going to say it's going to be canceled, but will it phase out? And I, I travel a little bit more than, than um, making and rail. Shout out to those guys there who I do um, the podcast with. So I get to see things a little bit more. They, they um, do more in LA yeah. and which is like Hollywood is super bottle. It's right. all bottle service, right? So I see a little bit more, and 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 I I see where the changes could could happen, and I feel like all it takes is one or two clubs to say fuck this cool shit, fuck this bottle popping shit. Yeah, we want to make real money. Like trying to persuade the small percentage of elite spenders to come into our club to buy bottles and I don't know break even or make a few dollars at yeah. the end of the night. Like I'd rather have people pay at the door twenty bucks or whatever it is, and spend money at the bar. And if they want a bottle, cool, we'll, we'll have that option. But I want to go back. I'd rather do that and have a fun party where people can dance yeah. and it's open format. You can play anything, mm -hmm. and it's just a fun vibe, just kind of like what it used to be. I I I don't see why my that can't happen in Miami yeah. no, because I mean, you have so many different cultures here. You have so many different genres of music that can be fused into one night. Yeah, that's know? a good way to put it because there's venues here in Miami that are, I mean, it's literally that, and they do bottle service, but it's not 
why you go. Like I, I showed you the wharf and like they do bottle service. Yeah. I mean, there's tables right in front, but people don't go for that. People like might do that for like a company party or like if it's a birthday or whatever, but people just want the music and they want like yeah, and to I think the way a club or venue has success, like a longevity in the long run is like creating an environment that's fun that you're going to come back and it's not based on like we need to hit this number yeah. and we need to get this guy and the celebrity to spend the money for the night, not thinking about the long term where it's like, okay, like it's not about bottle service, it's about just creating a dope spot that like will continue to always have people coming through the door. I think bottle service, I mean, bottle service is just like EDM. Like just because it's not in your face doesn't mean it's not there anymore. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I told you about the venue where they have you know, the iPad and, and this and that, and they cater to those spenders. and But that's their small niche, like, yeah. to have those guys that come in every other month and spend 10 racks, and there's 20 of those guys that they have, but that's there. It's not top 40. It's not commercial. It's not yeah. where the locals are going. It's still going on. Venues are still making money. They're still DJs, but that's not what's in, like, the radar of the local people. I, I can't deny that, that, people that want to feel exclusive will find those spots and people Always. that have the money. Always. So I'm not, again, I'm not saying it's going to be out with these guys yeah. or these clubs, but I, I really think there's going to be more of those cool clubs that are going to pop up and say, yeah, you can be cool over here, but this is how we're doing it. You're mm -hmm. not going to come in and say, we want to hear hip hop all right. night or EDM all night. Yeah. Like, you know, but all it takes is one or two clubs to do that. And just say, fuck this. I'm doing it. Yeah. And then when the numbers come out, they're going to say, shit, why do we still want to be cool? Why, exactly. do, why do we still want to focus on bottles? Exactly. And it's happened. It's happened here because like Wood Tavern was that like in the early 2000, 2010s, like, you know, people were still going to the to, to South Beach and waiting in line. And they're like, you know what? Why are we even I think lit, people literally said that, like, why are we even in line? Or why are we even yeah. here? What can we do? That's not this and then wood would always promote themselves like i remember wood like back in the day there one of their like pictures on ig whatever was like the rope and it had yeah. like a cross thing like look no cover no rope no this no that yeah. come have a good time and like that that was their like beginning marketing like yeah you know never cover do this that and then people started seeing it and then you know example like racket racket is a venue in winwood that it's owned by people that own Foxhole, another venue on the beach, and like they're connected with Grutman and everything. And like yeah. they were doing these things, they're like, "Yo, like fuck it, now let's let's get on this trend." Like like Winwood is was hot, this is was hot. Like to not have to be in this in this area, that's that's kind of rugged. But so they got in. But what they did was this: it's like this cycle of people, like the younger people, have never seen real bottle service. That's how ahead Miami is. Yeah. Like. They could eat. They started the second round of bottle service, but it's like psychology. They're like, yeah, but oh, but everyone's having fun in Winwood. But let's make some exclusive. Let's make shit. some exclusive shit that these people haven't seen because these yeah. people were 19, 20, 21, 10 years ago. They weren't in the club, yeah. you know, when that shit was hot, and they did that, and then it gets people thinking like, yo, what is this place? Like, I have to pay to get in? Yeah, like, oh damn, it must be really good. Yeah, mind you, that neighborhood started because of that because that's what, what that's what was going on in South Beach. But you have so many options now that, like, it doesn't really matter. And the venue kind of caters to anybody, right? I mean, Racket's pretty, like. Yeah, no, it's pretty still. It's, like, bottle service, but it's laid back. Like, yeah. it's not. It's not yeah. pushed. Like, yeah. And that's yeah. the thing about Miami. A lot of places, like, bottle service, it's there. Even yeah. at Blackbird, like, you'll, 
if you do bottle service at Blackbird, they put a fucking cooler on top of a picnic table. <laughs> like those are the tables in the back. They're literally picnic tables, and you get your bottle, your cooler, your server, whatever. But yeah. you're in the back chilling on the fucking picnic table. Like it's part of like my. It's never gonna go away, but it's like not gonna be the focus. Yeah, yeah, and and because I live in Hollywood, no, I don't live in Hollywood, but I live in L.A. and I I go to these Hollywood clubs just to check in and see what these guys are playing. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, it may, I may sound a little bubble ish and I like Hollywood, not even LA, but Hollywood, it's always going to be bottle service. It's yeah. always going to be driven towards that because you have so many people coming to LA that, that, uh, well, you have a lot of artists that live out there and yeah, come it's a out big hub. and, and actors and all these people and they want that exclusive feeling and, and they know I'm not. I'm not gonna go and pop bottles on the weekend with all the rest yeah, of the yeah. normals. The yeah, <laughs> the riffraff. I want to go on the week, uh, the weekdays where yeah. it's industry night, and and I'm hanging out with the elite, or I'm yeah. hanging out with Instagram models, yeah. or or people that just you know are just socializing the scene. I don't know, but but yeah, I think Hollywood will, will always be like that. Um, I don't know. I I don't focus too much on trying to DJ in Hollywood. They got their own thing. Uh, those guys are great. Those DJs are great. I thoroughly enjoy going out and listening to what they're playing because I promise you they're going to tell you what's going to be the next thing. Like those, yeah. yeah they, you were telling me they were playing uh, Orange Soda. Or, yeah, summer, right? like, yeah. Like they, they were. I heard Mike Danger play Orange Soda at Bootsy Bello, and then that following week, I looked it up, and I'm like, well, wow, this is great. So I, I that following week, it was my pick of the week on the on the Mickey D's podcast, and now. We're just now I, I I don't listen to the radio back home, but I turned it on and I heard Orange Soda. And now I'm, I'm hearing DJs in conversations. Yo, did you play Orange Soda? Did, you know, yeah. like, wow, like it took a minute. But that's just to, like there's a lot of those songs that come up in Hollywood. And, and as I was telling you, Hollywood plays everything. Like I understand in New York, you're not playing too many mustard tracks or if you are, it's like an right. opening set. And in a lot of regions, you're not playing other regions stuff right but hollywood fucks with everything from chicago to new york to miami if it's yeah, dope you were saying uh sorry go ahead but if it's if it's dope like they play everything so you're gonna chances are you're gonna hear it in hollywood first and if you remember it or you make a note of it or you shazam it whatever you do um if it's hot like i i try and keep tabs on what they're playing so i'm ahead so when i go to boston which I wouldn't say is exactly ahead of the curve, but you know it's a very poppy crowd, and they know what they hear on the radio or, or in the playlist. I, you know, I'm I'm gonna push the envelope and and play something that they probably haven't heard yet, or because yeah. I think that can separate you from the of other course. DJs in that region or the other DJs that travel. So I try and take advantage of that by hanging out with these guys and listening to them and just thoroughly being a student of what these Hollywood guys are doing. Always having your ears open. Like yeah. you were saying, what I was going to say is that, um, what is it, the Sheep Keef, uh, uh, Finito? Oh, Finito. Fin like, like here that they play that at like the hook clubs, but I've never played it. And you're yeah. saying like in LA, it's like, yo, like. It's like, uh, you, you, it's like a bottle popping song. When you, when you drop that on the one, yeah. everyone knows what time it is. Yeah. It's time to turn up. It's time to order more bottles. Right. It's time like everyone just knows. And it's, I'd say it's, not as big as a dreams and nightmares moment but if you were to put a bunch of like the top five moments of the club 
I'd say for Nito. Yeah. yeah, then then you got the T Grizzly joint, which is one of the first day back. Yeah, first, yeah. yeah. So, like um, stuff like that. Like I played that probably a few times when it was first out, but yeah, like it's not in my. I mean, and even here, like I don't think I've really heard when I go to like the hood clubs. I don't re- think I really hear that much. Yeah. That dreams and nightmares. Dreams and nightmares. Undefeated. Undefeated. Yeah. yeah in sure. Miami, dreams and nightmares, I think is like over anything. Yeah. Literally over. I mean, any of the baby, whatever's out, dreams and nightmares. It's like. And it's also how how I mean obviously they do it the same way, but like the the mic prep for it is always next level yeah. here. Like you're just like fuck. Like yeah, I, because I feel like Nick Mill, you know. Because <laughs> you you can't just play that at any time in the night. It's like all right, it's time to order more bottles. So I'm answer. I'm not gonna play this half hour into my set unless right. I really need to to keep because it's a slow night or whatever your reason is. But you're gonna play that for your second wind of bottles. So yeah. you know you're gonna do that at a particular time yeah i've started with it but it's because i've started with it at that point when the opener's already been cooking and like yeah that's when you need it yeah. or, or that's but that's the time that's, to pop bottles too yeah. is when you get on but like what that's the first another se- time maybe even second wind. that's <laughs> what i'm saying yeah so it's 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 always been that that way where it's like yo, you drop it and like gotta have your phone ready <laughs> yeah. you gotta be ready instagram that's, moments but yeah man uh i think we can wrap this up any last comments anything else you have to say and obviously plug in your socials right after um shoot man i got nothing else to add um at dj danger zone uh spelled d-a-i-n-j-a zone um the podcast gotta plug the podcast yeah yeah of course um yeah mickey d show didn't turn into but is uh, now we do uh, mickey d's podcast where it's more, it's not so much telling stories and, and stuff like that or, or bringing guests on and giving a, and having them give us their story, but it's about educating the culture. And, you know, I, I there's a big gap, man, between the up-and-comers or even right. guys that have been doing it for years, but they live in bumfuck Egypt and they right. don't know what's going on or they don't, they never thought to look at things like this. So we focus on educating the the masses and just um, spreading the good word and and um, you know I guess it's our way of giving back to the culture and making sure guys are doing it right. the best way they can or you know I, we we try to be as thorough and and just really try break things down like we don't we we don't get political with it but but we do try and yeah, um, you guys I've, really I've heard i've heard a few episodes and you guys are so informative and it's like a lot of stuff that i mean even me yeah we try and break it down the best we can with our knowledge and i think there are a lot of the opportunities you have out there it's just like yeah man you just gotta get out there and grind no, no. like come on like yeah. you know there's you, you know give them some dire- there's no one way of doing it but yeah. give them some direction i feel like there's like you know since the market has shifted so much and the market right now is in a weird position that like a lot of the guys that are, and damn, and I use him a lot. Uh, Matsu, like Matsu's age, Matsu, you know? yeah, like early mid twenties that are like, Matsu. yeah, shout out to him. Like guys on his range that are like talented. You know, they grew up watching Fort Culture Zach and all these yeah. other guys, and like to them, it's not about playing at Vegas. Like to yeah. them, it's just like they don't know what to do. Like yeah. it, there was a point when it's like, all right, everybody wants to play in Vegas, sure. and, and that was like the funnel. You know, that was like yeah. everybody wanted to do or in Miami or this and that. But after the scene has just changed so much people are just like fuck like what do i like how can i grow more like what can i do or how can i what can i do to play here or there and like it's about putting the facts out you know yeah and i, and I will say this real quick um i what what we get asked a lot is how do i grow in my city and I, what i've learned is 
stop taking if you really want to be that dude in your city stop taking every gig in your city mm-hmm. but but probably i understand you have to to pay bills but work to get get work outside your city figure out a way to do that become the dude outside your city and come back and then come back saying i'm not doing anything unless it's this and this rate because this is where my brand is this mm-hmm. is you know me already i've been doing this for a while you know the people i bring yeah so it's just a matter of you getting off that agency's dick and you know put your money into a local cat that you know is going to kill it and that's going to bring people out as opposed to booking someone else who doesn't bring shit that's out. so that's you like i do that a lot like i book my stuff you know outside and i come here like oh i see what you're doing whatever and then yeah. That's when you say no. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the fucking it, and it's best. Okay. a lot of power in saying no. Yeah, People got to start yeah. saying no more. Like when you say no and you're like, oh, well, damn. Well, I see you're doing exactly. That's why. Because you see what I'm doing. So like if you want to work, like this is why. I'm not working. You need to get people, off the agency's right? dick. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, and, and again, I'm sorry. I'm keep no, going, good, but, man. We can but, fucking <laughs> keep going. But, but that was my thing for a year and a half was just saying yes to everything. And then, and then I, but I trust myself and, and my, my inner being and just like listening to myself so i told myself when when it feels like i need to say no i will but i'm going to continue to step into these cities and get what i can out of them and if i see i'm not growing by doing this cool no i'm good i don't i don't need that check i'll figure out another way to get paid to pay bills or yeah and there's still a lot of gigs and i mean i know a bunch of djs including ourselves like take gigs and i mean you don't make them public but like sure yeah we yeah, talked we talked we were talking yeah, about it earlier yeah, yeah like, you just yo. take gigs they pay the bills sometimes they absolutely great checks and you, you don't gotta post it you don't gotta promote yeah. it like it's all good but you know and you can delete strategic. you can delete things yeah, yeah. you can delete your flyers yeah, you, you can delete yeah. your put whatever you want to delete like it's it's okay no one's gonna be like hey why'd you delete that you're not real like fuck exactly that. yeah exactly. i mean nobody cares at the end of the day like it's just you do you know look we're all trying to figure it out exactly. like i'm still yeah. trying to figure it out as i go i'm just going with what feels right and nine times out of ten i think it will be right but on that one time i need to step back and, and assess what i'm doing and what i just did and say okay moving forward I won't do that. I yeah. and most of the time that one time is because I'm anxious, I'm vulnerable. I I see someone else get a gig. I so you're like you do why kind, him and kind of out of spite, kind of out of spite. Yeah, so so you react a little differently. So it's just, I think it's just a matter of the um that one time it's just reducing the amount of that one time when yeah. you when you have those moments and just trusting that you're putting yourself in the right position. If you really trust yourself, you have nothing to worry about, right? If you trust exactly. what you're doing and now you're growing. You ain't got shit to worry about. It's just a matter of time. And we all want it now. We all want live now. We want all these big gigs now, but you, but it's not ready for you now. Even though you may say you're ready for it, most of the time these guys aren't ready for it, even though they want to do it. So why would you take it if you're not ready for it? Just trust that your time will come. Trust the process. Trust the process and you'll get in there and kill it when it's right. Dropping gems, bro. Come on, man. This is gonna 20, be 20 snippets. Too many snippets. <laughs> I don't know. What do we even sample, bro? I don't even know. Yo, my brother, it was amazing. Dangerous podcast. Yeah. Appreciate you, you coming man. through. Thank you, man. Welcome to Miami, brother. Yeah. And we all got to go DJ now. So yeah. we out. Peace. Peace.